How hard is it to learn to say thank you? How hard is it, as, as those of you who are parents and grandparents remember your children, how hard was it to teach them to learn to say thank you? Uh, researchers have found that gratitude is learned slowly. They've proven what most parents probably knew instinctively. Gratitude doesn't come naturally. In her book entitled The Gift of Thanks, Margaret Visser cites a study which observed how parents teach their children to say hi, thanks, and goodbye. The children in the study spontaneously said hi 27% of the time, goodbye 25% of the time, and thanks only 7% of the time. Parents had to prompt their children to say hi 28% of the time, goodbye 33% of the time, and thanks 51% of the time. In conclusion, children had a much more difficult time learning to say thanks. Most children have to learn to say thank you even before they know what it means. Visser states eventually when children have matured, and been further educated, they will come to be able to feel the emotion that the words express. The words come first, the feelings come later. Perhaps this applies to adults too. Based on this research, Visser concludes that learning to be thankful involves a steep learning curve. She writes, in our culture, Thanksgiving is believed to be, for most children, the very last of basic social graces they acquire. Children have to be brought up to say they are grateful. The verb is passive. They are brought up. They do not bring themselves. Visser also notes that although we have to grow into the practice of thanksgiving, once we finally learn to be grateful, we seldom forget it. Such phrases like thank you become so ingrained in us that they last when almost everything else has been forgotten. Uh, even as we get older and sometimes as we suffer cognitive diseases, these little phrases often survive the shipwreck of other memories. So, learning to say thank you and being grateful uh, in all circumstances. Uh, this morning we see uh, that Thanksgiving is a huge theme in, in the Bible. It's mentioned 140 times throughout the scripture. In Psalm 103, we see a thankful King David who says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, I will bless the Lord. We see a thankful Daniel. In Daniel chapter 6, Daniel, there has been a decree come down from the king that says that you can only worship in a certain way and you have to worship in uh, the way that the king has decreed. Daniel disobeys this, and he goes back to his uh, his place, and he opens the, the curtain so everyone can see, and he thankfully bows while looking back to Jerusalem and worshiping his God. We see a thankful Paul. In 1 Thessalonians 5.18, Paul said that he had learned in all circumstances to be content or to be thankful. Can you say this morning that you have learned to be thankful in every situation and in every circumstance. Corey Ten Boone tells a story in her book, The Hiding Place. She tells about an incident that taught her the principle of giving thanks in all things. It was during World War II. Corey and her sister Betsy had been hiding Jewish people in their home 
So they were arrested and imprisoned at Ravensbrook Camp. The barracks were extremely crowded, and the barrack that they were in was infested with fleas. One morning they read in their tattered Bible, in their tattered Bible from 1 Thessalonians the reminder of Paul to rejoice in all things. Betsy told Corey, Corey, we have got to give thanks for this barracks. We've even got to give thanks for the fleas. Corey Tim Boone replied, no way am I going to thank God for fleas. But Betsy was persuasive, and they did thank God even for the fleas. During the months that followed, they found that their barracks were left alone by the soldiers. They were relatively free. They could have open Bible studies, they could read their Bibles, and they could pray openly in the barracks. It was their only place of refuge. It was only several months later that they found out that the reason the guards never bothered them was because they didn't want to go into the barracks that were infested with fleas. So Corey Tim Boone learned to be thankful in every circumstance. Adrian Rogers, the great pastor at Bellevue Memphis Church, said this, you can choose to be grumbly hateful or humbly grateful. Let me say that again. You can choose to be grumbly hateful or humbly grateful. So this morning, we're going to see a man who was humbly grateful when he encountered the Lord Jesus Christ. We see a lesson on Thanksgiving from a leper. Jesus meets ten lepers, and one of those ten will soon become a very thankful man. Let's read these verses together, Luke 17, 11 through 19. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice and fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one to be was no one found to return and give praise to God except this Lord? And he said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. We see here early on in this story that these lepers call out to Jesus. When G, we see when Jesus saw these lepers, he's entering into a village. And there in the village, on the outskirts of the village, are these lepers. Now leprosy is not so much common today as it was in the time of Jesus. But leprosy is, if you don't understand that, it is a flesh-eating bacteria. It is, it, it is a disease that begins to... Uh, just eat your digits away and then work its way up your arms and your legs until everything is just a, you're, you're left with limbless. And most, it is a very contagious disease. So lepers are put outside of the village. And as Jesus is entering into this camp with the, with the men who are following him, and we know through our study of the scriptures, that everywhere that Jesus goes, there is a crowd of people 
that come around him, and they're vying for his attention. So these ten lepers are in a place outside of the village, far away from the other people, and as they see Jesus, they begin to see the hope that they have been looking for. Somehow or another, they have heard about this Jesus who goes around and he heals people, and they are suddenly moved when they see him and know that he is coming in, and they begin to shout very loudly and ask Jesus, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And it gets the attention of Jesus. They are standing far off as they were commanded, and they're shouting. Under the law of Moses in Leviticus chapter 13, they were it was it was instructed that these people had to live alone and they had to be outside of the camp or outside of the city where everyone else was. These are lonely, desperate people who have no hope. Leprosy here in the scriptures represents something that is key to us this morning. Leprosy is a representation of the sinful state that each and every one of us is born into. Leprosy is, as it eats away the limbs of these people, it is a picture of how sin begins to eat and devour our lives and begins to, it keeps us from being whole. These men cry out, Jesus, have mercy upon us. And we see through this story that Luke tells so vividly and so clearly, we see that Jesus Christ is rich in mercy. The Old Testament uh, describes God in this way in Lamentations chapter 3, verses 32 and 33. It says this, and uh, I'm sorry, verses 22 and 23. It says this, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Have you ever known the steadfast love of the Lord to cease? Have you ever known the mercy of God to come to an end in your life? Absolutely not. And these ten lepers saw Jesus and they knew that he would have mercy on them. And we understand through the scriptures that they have called on the right person. These lepers had many things in common with us here this morning. First of all, they're all afflicted with the same disease. Now this is not like a hospital where you have a whole lot of people who have been admitted and they don't have a whole lot of different things wrong with them. This is a leper camp. Everybody who is there in this camp is there because they have the disease of leprosy. And they are they are all they have that in common and they are put together there because of that. They all have that in common. What do you and I all have in common this morning? Every one of us born into a sinful world with a sinful, sinful nature. You know that everyone in this room has something in common with the president or the president-elect. We all have something in common with President Obama or President-elect Trump. Every single one of us. They were born into sin and we are born into sin. We all have something, it, uh, every one of us, oh this is the big week. You know that every one of you sitting here this morning has something in common with Nick Saban or Gus Malzahn? Every single one of you. 
They were born into a sinful world with a sinful nature, and so were we. Every person who has ever been born into this world was born with a sin, into a sinful world with a sinful nature. Romans 3.23 says this, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. For all have sinned. Every single person who has ever been born has, was born into, with a sin nature. So we're all afflicted with the same disease of sin, and everyone here was a dying man. We all are dying people. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. We are all born with a sin nature, and we are all born um, with that, knowing that the wages of sin is someday a physical death. And that without Christ, we have no hope. These men are here in this leper camp, and they have absolutely no hope. They are the only people that they see every day. Someone brings a meal and leaves it outside of the camp, and they go and get that meal and take it in, and, and they never have any contact with that person. They have absolutely no hope. They know that once they enter into this place, that the only thing for them is pain, agony, and a sure death. The Bible tells us that we are also, without Christ, we have no hope. In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul tells us that at one time, every single one of us were just like these lepers. We were all outside of a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ without hope. So we see that the lepers call out to Jesus, and then we see in verse number 14 that the lepers are cleansed by Jesus. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Think about the Lord's look of compassion. When he saw them, he responded to their call. He responded. When they called out to them, he looked on them with compassion. He looked on them with mercy, and he responded to their call. Now, why did Jesus say these words, go and show yourselves to the priest? Jesus had all authority on heaven and earth. Jesus had all authority to cleanse them and to heal them. All he had to do was speak the words and they were cleansed and they were healed. Why would Jesus say then to go and show yourselves to the priest? Because the priest had earthly authority to pronounce them clean. Jesus' command demanded faith on their part. It demanded some faith on their part. They were cleansed as they went. To see the priest. The priest could publicly pronounce them clean and to say to them, you're able to enter back into society and you're able not only that, you're able most importantly to enter back into the temple in a right standing with God. You see, Christ's work will always stand the scrutiny of men. These men were evidently changed. Something happened to them physically that everyone there in their village could not ignore. 
Something happened to them physically. They were healed. All of a sudden, these boils and these spots and all these things that were on them weren't there anymore. All of a sudden, the people who had walked by and looked at them and saw them in their pitiful state, in their pitiful condition, all of a sudden, they looked and saw them made whole and made clean, and there was absolutely no denying what had happened. You want to know how that relates to us? When Jesus Christ comes into your life, when he gets hold of your life, there should be an evident change that other people around you, those who know you, can recognize and see, and they can know that it was only the hand of God who could have brought that change to them. Now, I've been in services before where I watched people come forward and kneel in an altar of prayers and give their life to Jesus, and I'm not kidding you. I have witnessed and looked and seen when they got up from the altar, they looked different immediately. They completely looked different because of what had happened there. I have, I've witnessed it. I have seen it look like such a burden of sin and guilt came off of them that immediately they changed physically. That their countenance changed. The look on their face changed. Something happened inside of them that made them look different on the outside. Some of you are, are products of such a conversion. You lived a life before Jesus that other people saw publicly and knew publicly who you were and, and what you were about. And after Jesus came into your life, after the Holy Spirit came to indwell in you and be a part of your life every day, other people begin to see and say, there's a change there. When I got saved, I went back to work. And I had lived a life in front of the people that I worked with that was anything other than anything that would honor Jesus. My language, the way that I talked, the things that I said, the things that they knew that I did outside of work, some of the things that they knew that I did even inside of work. They knew every day how I lived and what I was. And I can remember, I can remember some of the comments. Oh, it won't be long. It won't be. He, he just, uh, he feels guilty about something. He went to church about it. Or, or he did something, you know, it, it won't be long. He'll be right back where he was, you know. But guess what? That was 22 years ago. And if you'd have told some of those people that I'd be standing in a pulpit, they'd know that that would never happen. But 22 years later, what Jesus did then changed me so much on the inside that it makes me feel sick to think about ever going back to how I lived. And to be in the person that I that I was then before I knew Jesus. After a while, it became evident that I didn't just go into church, or I didn't just go through baptism, or I didn't just you know. After a while, it became evident that something real had happened, and there was there were then people began to ask me. They weren't just talking about me, but they began to ask me what happened. 
And it gave me the opportunity to tell them, yeah, I didn't just join the church. I didn't just get scared about something. Jesus actually changed my life. Something happened deep within that changed my life completely. So Jesus here commands these men to go back to the priest so that everyone will know without a doubt that something has happened. When they, as they went, they were clean. They were clean. Their first step of faith brought cleansing. When we place our faith in Christ, it begin, it brings immediate cleansing from sin. Just as they were immediately cleansed from the leprosy, we are immediately cleansed from sin. Now look, this would have been a good story. Luke could have stopped right here and it would have been a good story from the life of Jesus, even if it stopped right there. But he goes on to tell the rest of the story. Because there was a leper who was thankful. Look in verse number 15 and 16. He says this, Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Upon being healed, he came back to Jesus. And he glorified God with a loud voice. He fell down at the feet of Jesus, and he loudly gave thanks to Jesus. He knew that there was no other person who would ever walk through that building who could do what Jesus had done. He knew that if Jesus never walked through that village, that he would have never been clean. He knew that. He knew that Jesus was the only hope. What does that mean to us this morning? It means this, that somewhere in a village somewhere or in a, in a foreign country somewhere, a child who may have never heard the gospel of Jesus will open up a box and they'll be given gifts for Christmas that they would have never gotten if someone had to have taken the time and the opportunity Give. And somewhere in this box is instructions and is stories about stories about Jesus and instructions on how to know Jesus as their Savior. One of my former youth, Molly Trainer, who Molly Abert now, went with John went with John Gunner to the Dominican on a mission trip with some of you others who are here this morning. And Molly was there in the Dominican Republic when children got their Samaritan's first Christmas box. And as they opened them, and as she described a joy that she has never seen anywhere else in her life, of those children. And she said that it immediately opened the opportunity for them to be able to tell those children about the Jesus who loves them, the Jesus who came to die for them, and to give them an opportunity to you see, unless Jesus, unless we go to these places, there are billion, there are at least two billion people on this earth who've never heard the gospel of Jesus, who are desperately living without hope, who will never hear unless someone goes or someone sees. And that's our obligation this morning. 
That's what we have uh, to be about this morning, is spreading the gospel. Because if Jesus doesn't come to their village, they will die desperate, still in their sins, separated with, from him for eternity. Now why did this leper give thanks? He gave thanks because he had been hopeless, and now he has hope. He had been hopeless, and now he has hope. He had been homeless, and now he could go home. He may have had a, he may have had a family that he had not seen in a couple of years. He had been homeless, and now he can go home and be with his family. You, you want to know something this morning? Every single one of you sitting here today, you are homeless. Do you understand that? You are a homeless person. I've done a lot of ministry to homeless people throughout my, throughout my time of being a minister. But every single one of you sitting here this morning is homeless. I have an address that says 206 Meadowbrook Drive. But it's not my home. I'm wandering through this world homeless because my home is in heaven. And there was a point in time in my life where I went to Jesus and said, I want to come home. I want to be at home with you for eternity. I'm wandering through this life without hope. I'm wandering through this life hopeful without, any, without anything to grab hold of. I don't want to do that anymore. I want to know that I have a home in heaven for eternity with you. My address is not my real home. It's a physical place that God has given me to be safe in during the time that I'm here, but it's not my home. My home is in heaven. I'm a homeless person. The next time you're riding in Atlanta or Birmingham or somewhere where you are and you see a homeless person, don't look on them with derision. Realize that you're in the same shape. You're homeless and this is not your home. Your home is in heaven. This man could now go home, and someday because of Jesus, I'll get to go home and be at home for eternity. This man had been rejected, and now he would be received. He would be received. We ought to be as thankful as this leper, as this cleansed leper. We ought to be as thankful as him every day of our lives. And then finally we see there were nine lepers who were thoughtless. Verse number 17 and 18, Then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Nine cleansed lepers went on their way. The sad words of Jesus, Where are the nine? How soon we sometimes forget the goodness of God. I've watched people in crisis in the church, and when crisis hits, they cry out to the Lord. And I've seen the Lord answer their cries and their prayers, and I've seen Him, in a way, reach out to them and help them. And then I've watched the sad reality of seeing those people who've been blessed and helped by God disappear. You don't see them anymore after that tragedy or after that crisis or after that until the next crisis or the next tragedy or the next bad spot or the next bad time. 
See, Jesus is saying here, I want you to live like one. I want you to live thankful every day. I want you to live at my feet every day. I want you to be reminded every single day that everything you have and everything that you ever will be and everything that you need is dependent upon your relationship with God, the good, good Father. How soon we forget the goodness of God. But Jesus commends this thankful man in verse number 19 when he says, Go your way, your faith has made you well. See, the other nine, this is how I see this now. You may want to argue with me after church. I got a bunch of books in my office and I'll be, okay? You may want to argue this with me, but I think the other nine went on to the priest. And the priest said, you're made whole, you can go back to your life. And they went back to their life, and soon they got back with their family, they got back in their home, and they got back to their routine. And they weren't telling people about how it happened, or, or you know, because the priest had declared them clean, and able to go back to their religious life. Stick with me for just a minute here. Jesus said to this Samaritan, he said, go your way. Your faith has made you well. So you don't need that you don't need the real you don't need that religion. Because you showed this faith, now you have a relationship. You have a relationship with the only one who can give you access to God. See, these other nine may have been may have been Jewish. Scriptures don't tell us, but they went back to their religion. This man came to Jesus. And he was thankful and he was grateful. And his life would never be the same. See, Jesus said, go your way. Go on back. You don't have to go back to, that, to a religious life. You found life. Your faith has made you well. How many people do you know who go, who flock to a, an assembly on Sunday, who go to a building on Sunday to live a religious life but really don't have life in Christ. Because they never really began a relationship with the one who could say, you can go on your way. Your faith has made you well. Your scripture may say your faith has saved you or your faith has made you whole. Jesus made me well. My heart was filled with sin that was eating my soul away. And I went to Jesus one night and I said, I can't live this way anymore. And I didn't go to the church and say, I want to be a church member. I didn't find somebody and say, hey, will you baptize me? Or will you take me through a ceremony? I went straight to Jesus. Straight to Jesus. 
in my life, absolutely, it's not been the same since. I went to Jesus. This morning, I want to say to you, come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. We're celebrating Thanksgiving this week on Thursday. We set aside a, a holiday to celebrate Thanksgiving. Wouldn't it be wonderful to be able on this Thursday to sit at the table and when Grandma says, what are you thankful for? And you have to go around the table. You'd be able to say, I'm thankful that on Sunday I came to Jesus. Wouldn't that be, wouldn't that be the best thing? It'd be better than the, than the dressing in the gravy, I guarantee you. Come to Jesus this morning. There are people under the sound of my voice this morning that the Holy Spirit is pointing. He is speaking to your heart this morning. That increased heart rate and that, that nervousness that you feel, that's the Holy Spirit of God speaking in your heart. And his function this morning is to point you to Jesus and to say that Jesus Christ is the only answer to what's going on in your life right now. He is the only bridge between you and God. Maybe you don't completely understand that this morning. I'll be standing right here. Seth and Donna will be here with me. We'll take scripture and we'll show you how to be in a relationship with Jesus Christ from this point to eternity. And you can have the greatest thanksgiving that you've ever known. I can come this morning where are you with Christ? Are you a church member or do you have a relationship with Jesus? Are you a religious person or do you have a relationship with Jesus? There's a difference. And I want to make sure this morning that you know Jesus Christ as your Savior and that you've been forgiven of your sins. That you repent, which means to go in the opposite direction of the life you're living now. If you're here this morning, you need to know Jesus. Would you stand this morning as we pray? Come this morning and we'll take scripture and show you how. If you're here this morning and you know that you are a Christian and you need to follow in believers' baptism or you need to be united with this church in ministry, you've seen how we go and try to reach the world for Jesus. And you want to be a part of that. Now would be a time to do that also. If you just want to come and, and, at the altars and kneel and say, God, this is what I'm thinking. If you want to pray over these boxes that are going to foreign countries so and pray for God's anointing to be on them and that they get to where they're supposed to be and that God speaks to these children's hearts when they open those boxes. Whatever you want to do this morning, use this time wisely. Father, we thank you for every good gift. And we are grateful that we have you to come to and turn to this morning. We ask all these things in Jesus' name.